Big Fluff. God, you're so tiresome, Katerina. Oh, name into the Kurat's Mate, it's Kate. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> you taught her these terrible words? Of course not. Do you actually even know what Nabi into the Kurat's means? Uh, yeah, I actually do. It means I will nail you to my dick. Yeah, I knew that. Not dick. Penis. Well, dick means penis. Dick means penis. Dick means penis. No, dick yeah. is our neighbor. It also means penis. Dick, our neighbor is called penis? Dick is penis. Penis is dick. Just That's stop the saying same dick word. and penis. It's just, I'm trying uh, to explain. Whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm just so bored of your shit. Marta, stop. She's ill. She's not ill anymore, man. She's not ill anymore, Petra. And what you know? What you know anything about this family? You are never here. I'm not ill anymore, right? No, she's still ill. Why is she still working in Zilly Christmas shop oh. when she was always the bright one? Oh, Nabi, I'm gonna cut it. everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and it's the most magical time of the year the most wonderful time of the year even both why not both yeah magical wonderful all of it's those diwali everybody <laughs> it is no diwali's already passed now. yeah that was a long time ago uh but it is it's almost hanukkah <laughs> it's the time where we get together as friends and we watch maligned movies, and we find their silver lining. The only time of year we do that. And it's, by the end, our hearts will grow three sizes. I ho oh God, that'd be dangerous, I think. I mean, an enlarged heart is a dangerous medical condition. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I think that's actually what happened in the movie that we were watching this week last oh, Christmas. I, yeah. I, I feel like it was ambiguous, but it might have been an enlarged heart. Yeah. So why not? I think she was working in a Christmas shop. She got some kind of enlarged heart and uh, it required her to have a heart transplant. Uh, we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Look, I'm going to say right now, before you go any further, there is... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end of this movie. And if you don't want that spoiled, you should stop listening because uh, we're going to no, talk about pause it. pause listening, watch yeah. the movie, then come back and listen. Yeah, because it's, it's a delicious spoiler that we will be discussing. We're going to be spilling the tea, as those kids say. Oh, man. That, I just I felt like I aged five years hearing you say that. Right? Yeah. That's my superpower. All right. So... Last Christmas, which came out last Christmas. Last Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it is the is a film uh, written by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, directed. The venerable Emma Thompson. Yeah. Who also is uh, plays the mother in this film as well. Uh, she wrote it. Uh, it's directed by Paul Feig. Uh, who, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> he, look, Paul Feig put his name on this film. Yes, um, for he for sure. He took credit for helming this ship. He was he was steering the ship. That's for sure. Uh, but yes, he was at the tiller. So it's this is the story. Uh, Amelia Clark uh, plays uh, a cat. Uh, was it Katarina? That's what the but she Katarina or Kate or, or Kate, Kat, depending or, on yeah how you interpret their accents. But she. Uh, as is set up in that clip, uh, she works in a Christmas store. She hates Christmas. She, her life is a train wreck. Uh, she meets a boy 
and she falls in love with him and uh, a strangeness ensues. Yeah, I think strangeness. It's not wacky. No, 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 no. It's a little strange. So where to begin, my friend? Ah, uh, I mean... I th- we could start at the beginning and we could talk about how much I really hated from Jump Street, the introductory scene where a skeevy guy seems to, seems to take advantage of her in a bar when she's way more drunk than he is, takes her home. She's charmed by his furnishings in his house. Uh, they true. They clearly have sex. And then uh, she's showering in his place the next morning when her girl you know his girlfriend returns home and shouts at her and throws her out onto the street and this is our introduction to her and her world yes this this shows just what a train wreck katarina is yeah and then she has to hurry with her suitcase because she uh is couch surfing basically she has no fixed address in this movie yeah, she just moved out on i think an ex-boyfriend who never shows up in the movie no but she's she's like sleeping on friends' couches until uh, she wrecks their stuff and has loud sex in their apartments and gets kicked out. Uh, she's working as one does. Yeah, she she works in this Christmas shop that I think is implied to be a year-round Christmas store. Uh, that seems to be, but it, that's unclear. Uh, she <laughs> thinks her boss's name is actually Santa, which really threw me off because she calls her Santa all throughout the movie, and then very late in the movie discovers that that is not her legal name and is surprised by that, which I never assumed that was her real name. No, never once. Uh, so that happens. Uh, like I said, she, she meets this guy who keeps showing up uh, and trying to make her a better person. Uh, her boss is also it's, this is happens off screen, but is murdered by a very creepy guy who comes in with murder eyes and stares her down and tricks her into helping him move a couch, and then he kills her. Yeah, that's all accurate. Pretty sure that's what was happening. What, like, can we just take a moment? I know this is a detour, and it's not super important in the grand scheme of things, but they make this choice that Santa, her boss, has feelings for a man who is very shy, who comes into the store occasionally. But the guy that they cast to play this part plays the part like he is going to murder her. And I'm really not sure why. <laughs> yeah, he plays it like he's the he's the other guy that goes on Mads Mickelson auditions <laughs> but gets not cast for being too creepy. Yeah. Yeah, he just like he stares at her like unblinking stares her down and she's like, "I you know, I want to see more of this guy." And has a weird obsession with cabbage. Yeah, yeah, he he is a cabbage salesman or something. He's he loves cabbage, and she's not sure how she feels about. It. She doesn't really like cabbage, but she likes yeah. him. And so she'll learn to like cabbage, as you should. If there's one lesson to take away from this movie, it's change. Whoever you are, so people will love you. Yeah, uh, we also we haven't really talked about the fact that this movie solves uh, not only racism and xenophobia. It uh, it solves the homelessness crisis. It solves uh, homophobia all in one <laughs> one glorious final pageant. Yeah. If uh, if you're wondering why there's so much less racism, xenophobia, homophobia, 
uh, homelessness issue since last December. It's this movie. Yeah, like, because you can tell when you watch the movie that, like, Brexit was a hot-button issue, but now, obviously, that was solved, and everything's good in England and in America, and these aren't issues anymore. Not even a little bit, not even sometimes. Because Emma Thompson did an accent that is so cartoonish that it can't even truly be considered offensive uh, to... Humanize yeah, that was a that was full on moose and squirrel <laughs> accent from Emma Thompson. Yeah, in order to humanize, uh, you know, people who are not native, and she's a fantastic actress. She, that's disappointing. She's a fantastic actress who is also an accomplished writer who neither acts nor writes well in this movie. <laughs> I have to assume it's just an elaborate plan, an elaborate prank that she's playing on everybody. I hope so. She's I, like. I'm going to turn in this festering turd of a movie and everyone's going to love, say they love it because it's me, Emma Thompson. Maybe she hates George Michael and this is an elaborate plan to (laughs) use all of his music in the worst movie imaginable. Or maybe she lobbied for, instead of all I want for Christmas is you to be the song in love. Actually, she lobbied for it to be last Christmas got shot down and this is her revenge. That's possible. Cause let's be clear too. This movie is chock full of George Michael songs, including Last Christmas is played, I think, a hundred times in various forms. There's a techno dance version of it, I think, at one yeah. point. Yeah, to, to use uh, a Britishism, this is chock-a-block with George Michael music. Mm-hmm. Wham, solo, all of it. Yeah, it's it's all, all there. <laughs> so, okay. Have we, do we want to talk about anything else before? Like, I feel like we're going to spend a while on this twist and I don't know if we want to get to it now, Uh, but I think it Um, definitely, I think we could probably spend a little bit more time before we get there. (laughs) Yeah, let's, I think we have to build out the world just a little bit more uh, and talk about the, you know, we talked about Brexit, that being sort of the racism and xenophobia that the movie addresses. The homophobia comes in the form of Katerina's sister, Marta, is a lesbian mm-hmm. who is in a committed lesbian relationship, uh, she... cohabitating with her committed lesbian partner. But is hiding it from her parents. Yes. Mom and dad thinks think that they're just flatmates. So she outs her at a dinner. <laughs> Uh, that's a healthy thing to do. That's definitely what you should do if you have if you're you have a sibling and they um, are not out. You should use that against them as a weapon when you're mad at them. Because if you don't, I mean, are you even really competing as siblings? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that definitely happens. Uh, And then the homelessness. So I guess we got to like we we should probably talk more about this guy that she meets henry henry she meets right, that's his name yeah i that's what i was trying to double check uh i i think it's henry but uh but yeah so yep. yeah henry H- golding henry golding nope it's tom henry golding is the actor tom is the guy tom webster yeah you're right yeah it was <laughs> so yes henry golding plays tom who she meets she's working in the store she sees Tom out on the street, out in front of the store. She walks out there. A bird craps in her face uh, because he keeps telling her to look hilarious. up. It's it's hilarious. It's very funny. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and then so she meets Tom and then he dances around <laughs> other people on the street for some reason. Very uh, awkwardly and, you know, 
uh, rigidly, like twirls around them. Uh, they they meet cute, I guess. If a bird crapping in your face is a meet cute, uh, they they if it isn't, I don't want to know what a meet cute <laughs> is. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, they continue to talk and bond. He tells her that he works at a homeless shelter. Uh, and then he walks like he walks her to the homeless shelter and then like walks in there. Uh, he tells her that she can never call him because his phone is locked in a cupboard, which is a really weird red flag, like right off the bat. Is he saying it's because he wants to disconnect from kind of go off the grid a little bit? Yeah. Not be so distracted by devices and everything. But a noble pursuit. Sure. But yeah, he and he seems like a real sweetheart of a guy. He you know, she is at this point where she has clearly uh, is not doing well. She's very unhappy. She's very unhappy that it's Christmas. She's unhappy with her family. She's unhappy with her job. But he he makes her see a better side of life, makes her feel better about herself. They they bond. But he's always kind of popping in and out. And it's, she never had because she doesn't have his phone number. She doesn't have a way to track him. Um, but he's he's there sometimes and then he's gone. And eventually in looking for him at the homeless shelter that he volunteers at, she starts uh singing in front of the homeless shelter for well because she initially tries to volunteer a little bit and then starts busking oh because that's the other thing is that um so her career goal uh cat's career goal is not to be a christmas store employee you know her she wants to be a performer yeah she wants to be a singer a singer an actress uh she is she goes on various auditions including uh frozen on ice at one point uh, but she uh, does. They don't go well. The auditions like we know that she can sing, but she tanks all of her auditions because she's really late to the first one. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie. And then um, she doesn't know how to ice skate. So she, one of uh, her and Tom's dates is they break into an ice rink and he teaches her how to skate. And she's a natural baby. I mean, she gets it. But this uh, that was the weirdest. So she auditions for uh, Sue from the Great British Bake Off. Yes. Uh, and, and a team of other people. She nails it. It's very clear that she nails this audition. They love her. They absolutely want her to play. We're not sure if she's Elsa or Anna. I would assume Elsa because she's a blonde. But uh, who knows? Um, yeah. But she nails it, then she's skating off, and they're like, they're basically like, we can just close this bad boy down. We found her. And then she falls once, leaving. While skating away. While skating away. And that's enough for them to be like, well, screw this. Like, yeah. you're out. No one who ever falls once on the ice, who after flawlessly, you know, auditioning for us, can ever be considered. She did not win Starbaker this week. Yeah. Yeah, she's a real. She's really terrible. Outside of yeah. that, she seems sweet in Great British Bake Off, but she's cutthroat. Yeah, it's an elaborate. Yeah, the real sweetheart of that show is Paul Paul Hollywood. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so all of that happens. Um, yeah, then like. There's a lot of bad, inconsistent writing in this, like for the fact that the first time that she goes to the homeless shelter, the the one guy uh, who's in a wheelchair like is like, hey, well, if you're going to be here in the homeless shelter asking about some boy, at least get back here and sir, which, by the way, I want to take a moment to say that I, I didn't know this. I want this to be true of all homeless shelters. I kind of love that they served uh, tea and biscuits to the homeless people. 
Uh, I guarantee that happens in all British homeless shelters. I thought that was delightful, but he recruits her to be like, give them their tea and their biscuits. Uh, And he's like really kind to her the first time he meets her. And then the second time she shows up, he has a complete reversal of personality and he now hates her. And a guy who was barely in that first scene now likes her and is her champion. Uh, It's very weird. Yeah, it's 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 wildly inconsistent. Yeah, there's also uh, two wacky cops that continue to get way more screen time than they ever needed because they shouldn't even be wacky cops. They should be two cops that have three lines, but they show up throughout the movie so much that I was utterly convinced there would be a point to their reoccurrence and there isn't. Yeah, they're very much played like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of this movie, but to no avail or payoff in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it, it's very weird. They're very wacky, and I found it so... Because it's in a, a serious scene that should be played seriously, where because she's such a train wreck, Kate uh, forgets to lock up the store, and then kids and break into locked. the store, uh, and then her boss, uh, Santa has to like she breaks the window to make it look like the kids broke in and falsifies a police report because she otherwise her insurance won't cover the break in if her terrible employee uh, just left the door unlocked. She should fire her at that point, but she doesn't so that uh, because the writing and this is so amazing so that Kate can work there one more time and then they drop it. Uh, so there's there's right. no reason not to fire her in that scene, but she she considers firing her, but doesn't. But meanwhile, these two cops are just out whacking each other like too, very like, unprofessionally. While and it, you can't tell if they both love Christmas or they both hate Christmas. Yeah, they're razzing each other. One ab- loves it and the other does. Well, the one is razzing the other. Like she's razzing her partner about whether or not she she does. Like she's saying, like, when you say, you know, like Merry Christmas to people, it sounds threatening, but it doesn't like she's gaslighting her. It's yeah. it's all very bizarre. But they keep showing oh. up. Oh, we should also point out that Santa is played by Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who's a, who's a. Uh, an amazing actress and it's just wonderful i'm a i'm a big michelle yo fan um, mm-hmm. yeah she and she's fine in this <laughs> i mean she read all the lines that were given to her with as much clout and professionalism as one could while playing a character who should be firing her employee but doesn't and who is dating a serial killer but isn't aware of it I mean, that's a big ask from a, from a performer. <laughs> I just want to say that that's like, you're trying to, I, I see what you're doing, trying to downplay that, but I mean, no, she, she was great. At least she had a, at least she had character motivation and that you cannot say that for most of the people in this film. No, she was great. No notes. Yeah, no, she, Considering that, um, you described the extent of Tom's character as nice and bikes. That is everything we were told about him, to be clear. It is, 100%. Yeah. yeah no, there's no... There, that's not even an exaggeration. That's he not is, me oversimplifying uh, it. That's every personality and character trait that he is given in this movie. And so the fact of trying to find the good in the heart of a serial killer, like, that's a character motivation. No, she's great. And I. it was funny because it was actually bothering me of why she was continuing to employ Kate when Kate was so bad at her job. But, like, in that break-in scene when the cops aren't trying to upstage them for no reason, like, she does actually get into what their relationship is. And in that scene where she's given something to play, she plays it really well. Yeah. 
I think we need to lay. I think we need to hit him okay. with a twist. I okay. Think, I think we've we've dangled it a little too far. Okay. You know, I think we're all right. So, so she becomes a better person. She she continues to to uh, to ask for spare change in front of the homeless shelter that she donates to the homeless shelter. Um, and she but she she can't find Tom for quite some like she he keeps popping in. She he doesn't have a phone. She can't find him. So. Oh, we also forgot to mention that at one point, Tom takes her back to his apartment, but he's such a gentleman that he uh, doesn't put any moves on her. He just tucks her in real sweetly and she sleeps in the apartment. Uh, so he she can't find him for quite some time. She's starting to get concerned. She's sad. So she goes looking for Tom and she goes to that apartment and she shows up and there's a different man in the apartment and he is like, oh, you must be here to rent this apart or to buy. It's it's for sale. Right. You must be interested in buying this apartment that's for sale. And she's like, oh, I wasn't aware that my friend uh, was selling this apartment. That must be why he keeps it so clean. And then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. The guy who lives here is dead. What? And then it hits her. This montage. Oh, man, this whole time. He's been dead. He's a ghost. I've just been acting like an insane person. Yeah. And so she has a montage of like all these times like where we've seen her interact with him where all of a sudden he's not there and she's just alone uh, having all these experiences. And then uh, what she realizes is that, in fact, he last Christmas, he literally gave her his heart because he was hit by a bus on his bike that he's always on. And he died and donated his heart to her, which is the heart transplant that she got. So she See, literally has nice his heart. And bikes. Yeah. So he's nice. He gave... Also, I watched it with Molly and she was so mad because the whole time uh, he is riding around on his bike and he doesn't wear a helmet. And then in the actual scene where he's hit by the bus, he's wearing a helmet. And it was like... Because she was like, I thought that was going to be like the thing, like that he like, like he didn't wear his helmet and that's why he died. No, he wore it then, but he doesn't wear it as a ghost. And the other thing is, so, and then the other, there's the fact that she, uh, she and Tom frequently meet at this bench Yes, and she eventually realizes that it is a memorial bench to Mr. Tom Webster. And she realizes and that because there is a cartoonishly large plaque that says his name on the back of the bench that you could not have not seen every single time you looked. Couldn't have. I guess if you're just, you know, moonily staring at the looker that is Henry Golding, because he's a handsome fella. I just want to put that out in the world. Oh, he's a good looking guy. I, you, were not, you won't hear me disagreeing. Um, is that, you know, she was so over the moon looking at him that she didn't notice this... <laughs> Or she's like, huh, this bench is dedicated to someone with the same name as you. Yeah, no, um, doesn't happen. But either way, this gets me wondering, too. So one of the things that oh, are we Tom gonna, always... Sorry, are we going to pick apart this reveal? Because I have a million thoughts about picking apart this reveal. But please, go on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think that's what I'm doing. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Um, I have a couple <laughs> thoughts, but go ahead. No, I'm, I, as do I. So inscribed underneath Tom Webster, it says, look up. And he f always tells her to look up. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, the person that commissioned this bench to be made was, like, that, like, you idiot, if you'd only looked up from your bike, you would have seen the bus? Like, yeah. is that what that is? I, yeah, I kept thinking it was going to pay off somehow that either 
you know, like, yeah, it's not explained. He just says look up all the time. And then that's what the bench says. And like, that's not in and of itself good advice. No. Because if you're looking straight ahead and then you start looking up, like that could lead to danger. If you're looking down and you look up, that might make you more aware of your surroundings. Yeah. But every time in the movie that is played, it's literally look up towards the sky. Which is not what he seems to be doing when he's hit by the bus. No. So it's... It's not like he looked up and was killed. Uh, yeah, it's it's very unclear. But also, okay, look, I just, I, I'm not going to, like, uh, I'm just going to say this. Like, obviously, I've seen a lot of movies that do this, you know, like I, you know, M. Night Shyamalan did this in The Sixth Sense. Like, uh, Wait, what? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, God damn it, Joel. Fight Club had a similar reveal of, like, a person not really existing. Uh, but those movies... Really put a lot the of... The others sort of flipped it? Uh, what's that? The others sort of flipped it where the oh, lead, the who yeah. you thought were the leads the whole time actually ended up being dead? Yeah, there's a lot of good examples of this, but those other movies thought about it and thought about the rules of what that would mean. So here's my thing. Like, when it's revealed in this movie, it's... We never really... So they give the montage of like... So this is, I think, what we see, if I remember everything. At one point, she changes clothes in an alley, and Tom is supposed to be looking out for her, like being her lookout and blocking physically. Right, and she does get wolf-whistled by a couple of municipal workers. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, so then we see that scene again, and it's clear that no one was blocking, so everybody could see her change her clothes. And then we see there's a scene where she's eating, and he's standing above her telling her to look up, and he's not actually there. She's just looking up. And I, and I think we see her on the bench talking to him, but he's not really on the bench. But the thing that it skips... So, well, oh, and we see her ice skating by herself. Okay? So we see all that. There, It doesn't show anything about what was going on in the apartment. It doesn't show... like like. So here's my question. So... I'm guessing we're supposed to accept that this really is his ghost because the ghost, it is his apartment. It is uh, like he does take her to a skating rink that he knows where like he seems to have information that she doesn't have. A phone literally is in his cabinet, which I also thought was going to be a payoff of like, I don't know, something like she takes his phone and then it's just like his phone was in his cupboard. And then it was like you thought that like maybe she'd look through the phone to see what was on it. Nope. She takes it. She didn't have the passcode. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, but she could ask him. He's, he is a ghost. Uh, it's true. But so but the facial recognition wouldn't work with a ghost. I think. Oh, that's true. Okay. So, but like it skips over all of the tough questions. Like how did she break into his apartment? How did they get into his apartment? You know, what like she makes out with him several times. Like we don't see what that, was like what was happening God, i wish there was just video of her just like with her tongue like out in the air just like eh. i mean don't we all wish that there was footage of that <laughs> like obviously <laughs> <laughs> but like you know what i mean like it really blazes past any of the tough questions like and it could have just been as simple as like him pointing to where his like spare key was or yeah. something like that well also i you know you could have played it that it could have been ambiguous as to whether he really existed or not, uh, but it wasn't like it to make sense of what everything that we're show- like, they didn't ever need to go to his apartment. Like she could have found out some other way. It also 
conveniently just so the first time that she, she go- could have just seen the bench yeah honestly yeah they could have spent all their time on the bench uh they could have like never really gone anywhere that she couldn't have discovered on her own and that probably would have made more sense the problems are so we we don't know how she gets in the apartment uh and then also so she is spending all this time at uh the homeless shelter and the first time that she goes there she asks if he's there and they don't know who he is and they say and she's like i think he works nights and they're like oh okay that's why but the movie conveniently never has her wait <laughs> for like the night shift to show up she never interacts with anyone from the night shift no one for, like right. it's it's very unclear if he actually worked at the homeless shelter or not. I would assume that the movie wants us to accept that that was a thing that he did before he died. But she never somehow, even though she spends all of her time there and ends up putting on a like Christmas pageant there with the none of the homeless people that are there, none of the workers, no one is able to ever fill in. And she doesn't ask like where he not is one. like it never comes up. Also, again, his traits are nice and bikes. So he has no backstory. He has no family. Uh, I think like the real estate guy is even he's saying it's like probate that he's like selling, you know, the, so like no one from his family seems to be anywhere near him. We don't know. We're never told who his family is. They've left his apartment intact the way it was when he died for like a year, including his phone in a cupboard. No one, he doesn't have any loved ones. No one, like he had, he really has no backstory whatsoever. He has nice and bikes. He has nice and bikes. That's it. Yeah, that's, it's. And, and so then, so she finds this out uh, and just moves past it. <laughs> Immediately. No one. She cries a little bit and then yeah. it's fine. She's fine. She doesn't feel like she should be like uh psychologically evaluated for like hallucinations she is fine that she saw this also by the way so he shows up one more time to be like yeah i'm a ghost sorry jk yeah with with all of the same gravitas as uh buster poindexter in scrooged yeah it's like i'm the ghost that's a yeah he delivers it exactly like that uh and he yeah he's just like yeah i'm a ghost somehow the shoddy writing in this movie completely avoids him saying anything like i have to go now but you'll always have my heart or something like that that seems like such a tee up but it doesn't bother to write anything even that obvious i think the line you have my heart is in there but Maybe, it. but it's not even, yeah, it's, it's not well done. And it's, he, yeah, he just explained, but also like, we're not even sure. See, so here's what's confused. I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but like he, he seems to know that she knows, but we don't know why, I guess. Cause his heart is inside of her so he can read her mind. Like it's the world is never made clear. I don't understand. No, not once the rules of being a ghost, the rules of their interactions. Also like it seems implied, like she really wants to bang this guy. And look, I'm like her character trait, like is that she, she has sex with a lot of people in this movie. Like she 
you know, she's a young single girl, like living in the city. Uh, and she wants to bang this dude, but he never does, but they kiss. And so I'm like, I don't understand. Like I could understand if they couldn't touch at all, you know, maybe that would explain, but why, why not have him bang? That's all I'm going to say. Like, like, why not? Yeah. You might as well at that. He took her back to his ghost apartment. Like, why not? It literally would have made the movie no better nor any worse. Yeah. But I just like, you know what I mean? Like, pick one way or the other. Either they can't touch it all or Ghostbusters rules. You know, like right. one, one or the other. I just want to watch her go cross-eyed when he goes down on her. Obviously, yeah. Like during a montage where, uh, you know, Bill Murray slides down a fire wearing, pole. Uh, yeah, she's wearing Confederate uh, war soldier <laughs> attire yeah. and then just goes cross-eyed. And, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Why not? You, you, I mean, Paul Feig did direct uh, the Ghostbusters remake. So. Yeah, and uh, you've had two chances, Paul Feig, to make that scene and you haven't done it once. So. Oh, for two. Oh, for two. Dis- oh, for two. Disappointing. Um, I don't know. I feel like we're running out of time to malign this movie. We could spend literally all month talking about the bad things. Can I have one more? I have one more too. Okay. so. So just one thing I would like to say, if I could, is can we just point out that nothing that she does for the homeless helps them? Like that really bothered me that like she starts by volunteering there. Great. That's a helpful thing. That's what they need. She then sings in in front of the place where she could be volunteering and makes about $5 a night for hours of singing. So that's not helping. And then she goes, I, d- I got it. I'm going to have you all sing in a pageant. Also not helping them. None of that is what they need. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the pageant might have been a fundraiser. I hope so. But either way. um, So... Actually, I thought of two things I want to point out. Okay. Um, So, one, the first credited writer of this movie, George Michael. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Because Because literally last Christmas. And last Christmas I gave you my heart is the only piece of that song that's taken into the movie. Yeah. Last Christmas, Tom literally gave Kate his heart. Yeah. I also look and she I, didn't give it away the next day. No. And I had the look. I, I, you know, it's probably not helpful to have wished that this movie was better. Uh, but uh, I did think about that, that like you could have used more of the song and you could have had it be that Tom was in love with a different girl. And he could have that could have been part of his backstory. And that could have been why he explained to her, like, I, I don't want to get too close to you because I was hurt. In my last relationship. And so that could have been last Christmas. He gave that girl his heart. And the very next day she gave it away. And so then he was so upset by it by that he murdering wrote... him. <laughs> no. So my, my, I mean, I'm fine with that. That would have been better than this movie. But my thought was like, he finds out that she is with someone else. He's so upset. He rides his bike into the bus lane and is hit. He's distraught, distracted. And so the, like, he does end up giving it to someone special. That would have used more of the song to someone special. Like it would have used more of the song and it would have given Tom a third thing to have as a personality. Nice bikes. Just getting out of a relationship. There you go. That's that's that's, three. He's now three things. He's now a well-rounded character at that point. Yeah, because 
you know, nice is one dimension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bikes is two dimensions. Yeah. Just getting out of a difficult relationship. That's a three dimensional character. That's what we as writers are always striving to create. Yeah. Uh, also, I thought of one more. Why does he bike? He has the bike most of the time, except the first time they meet where he doesn't have it at all. And he dances out of the way of people, which never comes back up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the last thing I want to point out, and this is just a weird bit of continuity error, but uh, one of In the first this couples, movie? I know <laughs> uh, one of the first couples that she uh, couch surfs with is uh, her very close friend who is a South Asian woman mm-hmm. who is married to a black gentleman. Yep. And uh, the South Asian woman is extremely pregnant. Mm-hmm. And by the time of the pageant, she has now had her baby. Mm-hmm. And that is the whitest baby <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Because like, why not? Like no chance. Like I would like, like to it's, imagine it, it's a Caucasian baby. I'd like to imagine that was whoever was in charge of casting, like really stared Paul Feig in the, in the eyes when they found that baby and were just like, what you really gonna? You think this is what's gonna like make or break this? You you really, <laughs> you really think this is gonna be the issue? You think this is gonna be what what causes people not to like this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's um. All right, so we could go on and on. So let's pivot to what the silver linings of this movie are. Okay, here's a fake silver lining, which is Great. that. <laughs> David Fear of Rolling Stone described the film as, quote, incredibly shocking, monumentally bad, the kind of bad that falls somewhere between finding a lump of coal in your stocking and discovering one painfully lodged in your rectum. That's a good review, man. (laughs) So that's already a silver lining reading that because that's pretty great. Um, So legitimate silver linings. Okay, well, Amelia Clark is delightful. Amelia Clark is delightful. She does what was asked. It's a bad script, and I feel bad for her. But she's really charming. Yeah, yeah, and and you root for her regardless of the bad movie. Like you yeah. want her to get her act together. Like, and you I, want look, her to do better. Look, I will say this. I know that I'm being very flippant about this movie. I do actually think there was an interesting story to tell because I think that one thing we haven't really talked about. Is that it's made very clear that, you know, what she's dealing with is the fact that she almost died a year ago. She had to have a heart transplant. She's she's now, you know, a year later, like back into the world, she's still working her same dead end job. Like nothing is really coming together in her life. And she's feeling very distraught about that. The movie kind of fails to describe it properly because weirdly i feel like it inverts what she should be saying which is she in the movie says that she felt special when she needed the heart transplant because she was getting all this attention which is a really weird take to have on that um but then she had to go back to her normal life i would say that like what would feel more true to me would be an inversion of that of like I almost died. Another person's heart was put inside my body. So literally like they gave up an organ so that I could live. And now I feel pressure to do something with my life. And I feel like I'm failing because I should be uh, doing more. You know, like I I was given the second chance when this other person wasn't. And I feel this like weight of responsibility of my life not really coming together. I actually think that's a really interesting concept. That is something that like a kind of survivor's guilt that people yeah. actually feel, you know, and could have been 
a really fascinating movie to tell. And I think Amelia Clark could have played that if she was asked to. <laughs> yeah, I think like even if you take the movie as is, I think if you take out all of the Tom stuff and that he's a ghost and it's just a woman trying to make herself a better person during the holidays, it's already a better movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the look like the gimmick is stupid and it's not well executed. So it's the biggest like thing that is causing this movie to fail is it feels really silly when it happens. It doesn't make any sense. And everything that happens after it doesn't make you feel any better about the reveal. Right. And, um, it, and it literally feels like it all happened because of one lyric of a George Michael song and everybody going like works done. It's like, yeah, we did it. So um, yeah, that's a huge, but okay. But we're, we're silver lining. We're, we're not, we're silver lining. So uh, one thing I thought was an interesting take in the movie and some of it was undercut by Emma Thompson's moose and squirrel accent. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought that their relationship rang very true. That, like, it, I, I'm not going to give you just this. Like the idea that like she, the mother's like has, has issues with depression that she felt needed. And then now she goes back to feeling unneeded. So she's like taking it out on Amelia Clark. Like I thought that there was some truth to that. I mean, you're it's not a silver lining, but there's, there's some truth. To you it. are doing the writing of this movie, a huge favor in pretending that that's how clean any of that is presented because like the movie can't decide from moment to moment, how it feels about the mom. Like if we should take her yeah, seriously, like if she's a joke, a lot of times she is a joke other like, and then there's like a really weird moment where it feels like we're at the sincere part of the movie, almost like the silver linings part of this movie where we're or the show where we're supposed to be pivoting. Uh, and instead of like, everyone's being really nice. And then she's like, I'm going to sing this traditional song. And then everyone's just like attacks her for not singing it. Right. And I was like, what is, yeah. what is this choice? Like <laughs> also literally like Amelia Clark, who's ashamed to use her real name. Uh, the, the way that she does address racism is ta she talks to two strangers on a bus once. And that yep. that solves it because they happen to speak the same language. They both happen to be Croatian. Yeah. So uh, there's all that. Um, OK. I like right, I, an actual I, silver lining. And I think it's just because I'm a sucker for these type of moments. But I got the warm fuzzies when they were singing last Christmas at the pageant and everybody joined in. I was going to say feel all warm inside. It's nice that you said that because literally what I was going to say right now is like George Michael's music is a silver lining. I mean, oh, I sure. George yeah. Michael is great. And any excuse like, to play a lot of bangers. Yeah. Any excuse to play that much of his catalog in a movie is great. It's it's really fun that they used that much of George Michael's music. Uh, yeah. And, and I loved the unintentionally funny choice of the the montage of Amelia Clark singing Christmas carols that she doesn't quite know the words to, they instead just drop the diegetic audio out and just play uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, Faith or one of the one of the many just bops that George Michael has. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So what do we got? We got Amelia Clark is delightful. We have, uh, we said it before in the, the preview, but like, uh, Michelle Yeoh as her. Michelle Yeoh's great. Yeah. She's great. They're both of their performances are really good. George Michael's music oh, is delightful. Yeah, great cameos in the, the producer scenes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we we mentioned Sue. Sue Perkins yeah. and Peter Serafinowitz. Yeah. Who, who yeah. are both absolute delights. Yeah. No, they're, they're fun when they pop up. Uh, <laughs> 
I think that's. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, I really. Th- I think. I think. You, and I, I'm. I'm going to stand by the fact that uh, when they they sing last Christmas at the pageant and everybody joins in, like it gives you the warm fuzzies that a Christmas movie is supposed to give you. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to stand by that. You so stand I think by. That, I think we did yeah. it. I th- I think we did it. We yeah. It's for as as frustrating as I found this movie. Yes, yeah. I, I I think we did it. Henry uh, Golding is charming. Yeah. He did a lot with nice and bikes. I mean, he, he was did given, more than a lesser actor might have done with nice and bikes. He was. He's. I I would love to see him in something that wasn't this, where he was given a character to play. Yeah, but also if you want to watch Crazy Rich Asians, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah, but. that that dancing was super awkward though when he so super awkward when he danced out of the way. I don't know. I don't know why that was kept in the movie. Um, yeah, I don't, I, there's a lot. That I don't know why it was kept in the movie. Um, really, most of the movie from Dina. Yeah, this is a bad. This is a bad movie. Yeah, this is this is probably in the running for the worst one we've watched so far. I think so because it just it's it's so bat- shoddily written. You, like just it does most things bad. Like it just it's it's not well executed. <laughs> Well, it, it doesn't build up rules for its world, so it has no rules to follow or break. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, it, nothing lands the way it should. It also really meanders for, like, usually you talk about, like, third act problems for a movie. This movie has serious first act problems. Like, it takes probably 30 minutes for the movie to even stumble into anything resembling the actual story. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, but... Banging soundtrack. Yeah. Delightful also, lead actress. Also weird that it opened with a younger Kate singing when it was bad casting for younger Kate and it didn't really need to exist, that scene. At all. You could just cut it and lose literally nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> um. Yeah, I... That's all we got. That's, <laughs> that's really all we got. Um, it's important to know... That Martian sci-fi does not play in Middle America. Also, Andy's been a ghost this whole time. What? Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's the podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.